You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Listener questions live. It's Friday afternoon for some, Friday morning for others, but we're going to be talking some Cincinnati Bengals. We're going to be answering your questions that you have for us on the team, and they've got a big one coming up this Sunday, no doubt about it, as they host the Los Angeles Chargers. Justin Herbert coming to town, facing Joe Burrow, his 2020 NFL draft classmate, and uh, a big matchup with a lot of playoff implications. I'm Anthony Cazenza. Joined by my co-host, John Sheeran. John, I want to apologize to you and the listeners in advance because I do have workers at my house. There's going to be intermittent nail gun noises in the background, maybe some hammering. So hopefully that doesn't distract us too much and or is not too loud. But uh, that's what I've got going on. How are you? You know, I, I think that's what makes our show great. It's just the 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 genuine real factor to it some people they just give it off to a producer and they edit it and it comes out like late no this is live this is raw and our listeners are used to that so if there's some occasional nail guns in the middle in the middle of our analysis that just is what it is they know what they signed up for it just means we are hammering home our opinions in the right oh boy like, i know terrible pun we're off to a bad start awesome uh hey Let's uh, what we're going to get to some questions that have already been queued up to us. You can get yours to us in a number of different ways. We've got live chats going on the Cincy Jungle Facebook platform. We've got live chat uh, going on in our YouTube channel on the Orange and Black Insider YouTube channel. And uh, if you can, if you're joining us via YouTube, try out that super chat there. We'll try. We'll we'll take a little bit of priority on some of those questions there. We've got a comment thread going on a Cincy Jungle post that you can leave a, a comment and question there on Twitter at Bengals OBI, email the OB insider at gmail.com. And of course, call or text 949-542-6241. No excuses. Get your questions in. And of course, as we like to remind everybody, you can get this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all of the different audio platforms, the major ones, we are there as part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel. Subscribe to that. Leave a review if you could. And you can listen to our shows. Orange is the New Black from Ace and Zim, who, by the way, they just interviewed Gary Owen. Pretty cool interview there. It was very entertaining as, as expected. And, of course, Coach Speak and Chalk Talk from Matt Minnick, all part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel. And, of course, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel if you do like the video aspect of our show and the live 
feed aspect of our show. You can subscribe to that little icon below John there on the, on the bottom of the screen, click that to subscribe and then click the bell to be notified when new content is available, when we go live, all that good stuff. See the nail guns are already happening right there. Boom, 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 boom. All right, let's get it. Let's get started. Let's get started. Um, we've got one from a text message, John. Uh, I, I feel like we kind of touched on this maybe a little bit uh, last week for from the text from the 407 area code aside from Burroughs continued development. The best thing about the Bengals this year is the play calling. Has that changed or what has changed to improve the play calling? Personnel, probably. I think last year, even the last two years, it's probably been more of a, been more of a factor than I think we'd like to, to admit or give credit because the first two years of Zach Taylor, it was, you know, this guy is some, this offensive genius he's supposed to be, and he's not doing jack squat. He's never commanded like an elite offense at, at any level in college or the pros. Like this guy's way over, way in over his head. Then people stay healthy. He's got his quarterback in there behind a decent offensive line and explosive receivers. And yeah, what do you know? He, he, he might know what, to, what he's doing here. I, I think, honestly, that's been the main thing. I don't think the philosophies or the schemes have ever been that big of an issue. I think for the most part, it's been working around the personnel deficiencies that they've had. And now that that seems to not be an issue, you're seeing the fruits of their labor kind of develop in in front of your eyes. And I think it's always kind of been this way. It's just been harder to visualize because they've had terrible offensive lines or they've had receivers who couldn't separate or they've had quarterbacks or a quarterback who didn't want to look past his first read and give up on the play. I think because everything is now in place, you're kind of seeing the offensive mind of Zach Taylor kind of come into development. Aside from personnel, I I mean, I I definitely agree with you there. I think there's just a little bit of development of the players that they have had on this team over the past couple of years, and they're fitting in a little bit better into the system and what they're a little bit more familiar of what's asked of them. But also, I mean, there, there's a myriad of, of effects. The Frank Pollock addition and the emphasis on revamping the run game, I think that is that is a big difference. And we ta- the, the part that we talked about on Wednesday, John, was how the Bengals have transitioned and adapted their style of play since the bye week. Uh, they, you know, they seem to have taken to heart what teams were doing to them over those two losses, those two straight losses, and of course, they were maybe a little fatigued. I mean, a couple of, you know, long games, overtime games, et cetera, and, you know, just midway point of a long season and they maybe need a little rest. But I think also they kind of said, how how can we do things that put us not only in, in better position to to win games, but also put us in better position to take a little bit better care of our players? And, that, and, and what I mean by that, this is something that I don't think a lot of people are talking about, but um, you know, this this approach on offense where you're trying to sustain more drives, utilize the run a little bit, take a little more time off the clock, that keeps your defense a bit more fresh. That Those are the things that when you sustain drives, you're not just, you know, pass, 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 three and out, and then you're putting the ball away and your defense is going right back out there. You're sustaining drives. You're able to keep your defense fresh. And therefore, there may be an element wherein they are a little bit more effective because they're not as fatigued in the game. And it's just easier to do when you have the guys to do it, honestly. Like, like you can preach philosophy and scheme all we want, but at the end of the day, talent matters. And I think that is just, it, it, it can't go um, unsaid, I guess. Like, just look at Bill Belichick, honestly. Like, years of Tom Brady, 
years of that scheme in in, in perfect harmony and, and whatnot. The year that Brady leaves and they have Cam Newton, they try to work things out and they try to build around him and it's just not really working. Then they get another quarterback in there, Mac Jones, who runs the system to perfection and boom, the Patriots are, are at the top of the AFC again. I don't think it's a coincidence that that talent and personnel is the most important factor in, in all of this and it allows you to kind of fulfill some of these things. For sure. For sure. Uh, where are we going next? There was a question from Mr. Whisper in the YouTube chat. He just wants to talk about the defense. He's asking, he believes the defense is very good, but not elite. What do you guys feel they still need to improve on to reach that level? What positions kind of have to be upgraded? So let's start with the first one. You know, it's solid, obviously, but I think Paul Daner Jr. wrote a pretty good article in The Athletic about how they haven't really faced off against elite offenses, and that could lead to lingering questions as to how effective and actually how good the defense is so what does need to be improved um just in terms of just overall performance and then we can kind of get to the positions that have to be upgraded in the offseason i was thinking about this and i think a couple people on twitter have have mentioned this but man would it be great to have joseph osai right now um and and as great as trey hendrickson is playing as great I, i i still i think i say this every week i feel like we're seeing the best pro football being played by Sam Hubbard in his career, um, just very steady and, and feeding off of the the talent in the interior of the line and Trey Hendrickson being a force. And he's kind of been the benefactor of that and and has been playing well. He's healthy, you know, so there's a lot there, but just having that, that, that one extra additional rusher just to give him a little extra juice, a little extra consistency from an edge rush uh, standpoint, I really wish they had that guy, especially from what he showed in just one preseason game, just was a monster uh, may, you know, may not have lived up to the the hype of that one game, but even if he's a guy that as a rotational guy could come in and get you four five, six sacks in a season, a number of pressures. I mean, that's just a guy that you wish you had. And obviously additional and slightly more consistent pressure helps out the back ends of, of your defense. You know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of proof to that. I think also, I mean, corner is, is probably something that needs to, needs to be improved. I do think we're getting probably the best, we, we have seen in, in a handful of games from Eli Apple. So, you know, I, I mean, he hasn't had, from where he was drafted, hasn't had the most stellar pro career, but he's had a couple of really nice games for the Bengals and strung a couple in a row. Um, so I think corner is, is a spot too. So that I, I've really been kind of thinking more recently about the what if Osai was healthy with this team because I think he'd be a big impact player. In the middle of the season, that was that was my thing as well. Um, specifically against like the Jets. I, I go back to that game and how they just could not get a pressure with their front four and they weren't really blitzing Mike Mike White at all. And that kind of led to everything that happened. And I'm like, okay, if they're not getting production from Hendrickson in a week, it, is the defense just going to tuck its tail and just be bad because no, no one else can win a one-on-one block uh, in, in the pass rush. But over the last few weeks, we've seen an improvement not only from Hendrickson, but from other guys on the defensive line who are winning one-on-ones and just getting pressure with four has allowed the defense to kind of just be as effective as they are. And I think they're borderline elite, honestly. Like, you just look at the numbers, they're top 10 in EPA per play. They're top 10 in, in like, success rate and EPA against the run and the pass for all of them. Like, there, there isn't a weak spot with this defense right now, and I think a lot of that is also attributed to they're not only getting more sacks, but they're also getting more takeaways. I, I think they have, like, eight in the last four games alone, which has been... A huge improvement not only from this year but just in years past this defense has not really been known to mm-hmm. force a lot of turnovers which has really helped so and just in, in ways that they have to improve 
I think just continuing forcing negative plays and, and turnovers, like just making sure that that is sustained throughout the rest of the season, because now I, I know they face Green Bay and they face Minnesota and they face Cleveland, I guess was a dominant offense against them. But now they're facing six straight offenses that can run and pass on basically any team. And that's when they really have to step up and they really have to continue a lot of forcing negative plays and making sure that they're not being gashed with giving up explosive plays. Yeah, I think you said it. What five five turnovers forced the last two games, right? Um, and I think they were averaging less than one per game uh, up until the bye. So that's been that's been a big difference. And then, of course, you're seeing the Bengals get after the quarterback a bit. And that the thing we were kind of talking about. What, what was it? Uh, I think they had three or four sacks last week against Pittsburgh. They had two against the Raiders. So I mean, they're getting after it a little bit better than they were in the previous two games but you know the other thing john is the um those those sacks a couple of those sacks have now turned into those strip sack big play turnovers that they were not getting they were getting after the quarterback they were pressuring them they were sacking them but they're now turning into big plays in terms of turnovers and i think that's a big deal yeah and We've gotten this question before, and we got it from Orange Arrow. Now, Joseph Asai is not coming back this season, even if they go to the playoffs. He was put on IR before the season. He has no chance of returning, even if he is healthy, just to get that out of the way. Yeah, uh, I think our, our buddy Orange Arrow was was asking that. Uh, we had a call, but unfortunately it dropped. Uh, so we'll we'll try and get back to that in just a second. Come on, Terrell. Uh, I don't know if it was Terrell. It looked like maybe a different number. Maybe it was Terrell, though. I don't know. Uh, here is a uh, a question from Zach J on Twitter. What is the best free agency? I, I I thought this is the time. This is finally the year where we're not looking ahead to to, to the next year. I thought we were like enjoying what's going on right now. But uh, I guess obviously always looking to improve. What's the best free agency move the Bengals could make next offseason? and why is it replacing Trey Wayne's? <laughs> Come on, man. The guy, the, <laughs> it's so easy to, to slander that dude. Honestly, the, the only reason why they would need to is financial reasons. A healthy Trey Waynes is still probably better than what you could do on the free agent market at cornerback. Not looking at what the free agent cornerback market is. I know we've talked about potentially them drafting a cornerback in the first round. Cough, cough, sauce gardener. But like a healthy Trey Waynes, I know that's not been the case in the last two years, but I think they would still want to give him that chance unless they see a clear and better option that would be easier on the salary cap. Other than that, I, I think uh, trying to figure out what to do with defensive tackle, there's going to be potential turnover there. You have Tupo, Larry Ogunjobi, and BJ Hill all entering the free agent market, probably expecting a draft pick there, but you know, which of those guys are you willing to retain? Do you give Tyler Shelvin a bigger role next year? I think that's honestly an underrated position going into the next offseason that they have to kind of to iron out to, get, to allow the defensive line to continue to be a solid unit and a, a unit that carries the defense in a way. That's a really good point. It's not so much that they're not getting good play out of the, def- the interior of the defensive line. It's a lot of contracts are up, right? I mean, you've yeah. got... I mean, even even Mike Daniels, I think he's on a one year deal and he's on the he's on the practice squad right now. And by the way, go check out his social media. That dude is still grinding this late in his career and on had to you know swallow the ego a bit and be on a practice squad after being a Pro Bowl player in the league and helping this team out last year. He is still grinding the heck out. 
doing workouts in his hotel room after practice and all kinds of stuff. So go check out that guy's social media. Awesome dude. Uh, just to kind of piggyback off of that, there was a question in the live chat on cincyjungle.com by novelist 62. What is the word on Trey Wayne's? Um, I, I, the word on him, I, I mean, I, he, he is one of those guys who's designated to return. It's just a matter of how quickly do you want him to come back? Because, They've, they, they gave him that month at the beginning of the year when these preseason, you know, one of the hamstrings hit. Then he had the other hamstring, and then it's now been, I got, God, I got, I mean, it's been since the Jaguars game. So it's been about two months now. Um, so, I mean, I think he's, he's, they're going to try and get him to return, but they obviously don't want him to get him back too early. Maybe this is a guy towards the, you know, if the Bengals continue to be in a playoff push and/or make the playoffs, this is a guy who makes a return then and really provides hopefully an additional boost to the defense hamstrings are just so weird and unfortunate and it was so clear when he was trying to play through it that it just wasn't right and that was now god like two months ago now that he's been out ever since that packers game or something like that it it, at this point i would just assume that he's not coming back until maybe like you said the postseason um but yeah I, i would just assume that he's probably out for the year just because like him like I don't know. I still have the perception that hamstring injuries aren't that big of a deal, but when it when they're bad, it it just seems like they're just they're ailments and injuries that can really just incapacitate a dude for months. Yeah, and, and the problem is, is right when you think they're better, you know, you go back out there and you push it, and then they get you, you just tweak it again. Big big hammer there. Uh, hey, John, where where do you want to go next? Uh, we should. Oh, we got we had a five dollar donation from Mister Whisper, who is asking a good old fashion trade franchise and cut question between Jadobia Wuzier, T Higgins, who's not a free agent next year and BJ Hill. What, 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 what are we doing here? Wuzier is under contract for two more years after this. T Higgins is under contract for two more years after this. BJ Hill's a free agent. Um, maybe, uh, maybe I don't want to cut any of these dudes, right? I know. I know. (laughs) Uh, so Mr. Whisper, if you, if you want to re-ask the question, maybe, maybe with some different names of impending free agents, maybe that would help us. I de- definitely don't think you, you cut Higgins. I definitely don't think you cut Awuzier. I think you want to re-sign BJ Hill. Uh, I, I, I guess the, the, maybe the, the deal with Awuzier and Higgins, if I'm just going to interpret this, um, maybe do you trade one of those guys for one of these pieces that we're talking about on defense, either, you know, maybe maybe another edge rusher, an elite corner, or something like that. Maybe an offensive lineman. Um, maybe you know, there's some trade bait there. Uh, I, I don't. I, I think the way Awuzier is playing, I, I think that's you know a very. Otherwise, he would be an outstanding corner two. Um, he's playing as a as a pretty dang good corner one this year. Uh, Higgins is you know he's had a, a, some ups and downs this year but really lit up the Steelers this this last week and I think he's starting to get uh, feel feel the groove back here so I mean I, I think he's just a huge part of their offense and what they want to do so especially now that teams are, are focusing on Chase John I mean I, I I just think that Higgins now I'm a little surprised Boyd hasn't been a little bit more in the forefront these past couple of weeks, but uh, I think especially Higgins now in this last stretch here um, with more attention being paid to chase. I think, I think Higgins is going to be more and more important going down the stretch here. And I think Higgins 
in that respect has the most value. So if we're going to respect this hypothetical, as Mr. Whisper has explained, I think trading Higgins would net you the biggest return on investment, cutting BJ Hill because he's probably the least valuable and franchising Chidobia Wuzie just because he's a cornerback and you want to keep him. I think that's probably the, the order of that I would choose. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see here. Uh, text. We did the 407. Um, text from, uh, let's, gosh. Um, do you guys see Carmen replacing Spain at left guard next year? Where, where will Deontay mm. Smith play? So good question there from 513. This is interesting, I, I think, because we've all kind of uh, bought into the notion that Quinn Spain is valuable to the offensive line, uh, not only with that position group, but with the locker room, too. I think he galvanizes guys. I think he's brought that group together. He's a clear favorite in that locker room. He's still playing at a high level. I think he's a clear favorite to be returned or to be resigned in the offseason for, at the bare minimum, another one or two year deal, which takes care of one of those guard spots. Now you have a situation where Hakeem Adeniji is finding himself at right guard. You have Deontay Smith and Jackson Carmen both were being developed as guards in the offseason. Are they potentially being looked at as now backups or is one of them or both of them going to compete for right tackle? Honestly, I think it would make sense that with Quinn Spain being on the other side of 30, like there is a universe where they move on from him. But I think we've kind of seen, you know, people kind of favor Quinn Spain this season, just his personality and everything that we hear about him in the locker room. I, I don't think he's going anywhere. So I don't think that left guard spot is really up for Jackson Carmen to take. It would have to be right guard. And honestly, if it's a three man competition between Medenergy, Carmen and Smith for right guard, you'd have to think that Medenergy has the upper hand just because of how well he's playing. He has the experience factor on both of those guys. He has the health factor on both those guys now. Um, I think honestly, you're looking at Carmen and Smith potentially just competing for right tackle or being backups next year. I don't know if it's a hot take or whatever, but I mean, there, there is a very decent possibility that Deontay Smith drafted two out two rounds later than Jackson Carmen ends up having a bigger impact for this team than, than Jackson Carmen. Unfortunately, I think when we looked at the measurables of, of Deontay Smith in terms of the arm length and, and the athleticism and all the upside, all that kind of stuff. I mean, you can, you can, it, we, we just kind of fell in love with it. Then he played well in the preseason and all of that. It would have been interesting to see, had he been healthy, what would have happened at right guard this year? If Adenogy would have still been that guy, if they would have given given Smith a shot, all of that, I don't know. But I mean, there, there could be, uh, you know, Carmen is probably in the mix at, at either guard spot long-term, maybe right tackle long-term. I think they like him more as a guard, but it's also kind of the same thing with Deontay Smith. I, I think that he's got more measurables and things like that, that kind of tell you that's maybe more of a tackle guy, but they like him at guard and he played well at guard in the, in the preseason. So, I mean, it's a little bit of a good problem to have, but it also is concerning that your second round pick, a guy that you really honed in on this year, not only can't crack the lineup right now, but can't beat out a, what, what a sixth round pick from the year prior uh, for, for a, you know, a job, obviously you just want the best guys out there for sure. I think Spain stays. I think they're they're probably do a, a you know maybe a two or three year deal that's a, a bit more team friendly. He seems to like it here. He is popular. He's playing well this year, John. I mean, PFF scores and and whatnot. He's playing. Spain's playing pretty well. So uh, you know, I think I think the team hangs on to him. And then you know that also 
in order to do that, it, it, it plays right into their free agency strategy, wherein they don't like to in the draft strategy, wherein they don't like to go into the draft having these massive needs and all that kind of stuff. They want to have things largely shored up so they can do best player available for the most part. And here's an angle that can, I think, ease a lot of people's minds because it, like you said, it, it's bittersweet because you're not getting immediate contributions from Carmen and maybe therefore Smith for maybe a couple of years. But when you th- we talk about this team and retaining offensive linemen, typically they don't like to pay them very much. And what would decrease a guy's value entering his second contract other than not playing that much in the first three or four years of the rookie deals? If you're in a situation where you have Quinn Spain and Riley Reef both on the other side of 30, both needing eventual long-term replacements, is it the worst idea in the world to keep both of those guys, assuming that Reef finishes the year strong, and have basically those two locked in as your long-term replacements, backups at those positions? So then you're in a position where maybe they start their first year starting in year three or year four of the rookie deals. They play hopefully well after years of being developed for those spots. And then you're in a situation where you have long-term replacements who can be affordable because they haven't had a lot of experience playing and therefore their value on the open market would be diminished. That is the optimistic way that you can look at it if Jackson Carmen doesn't find the field next year. Okay, so we have our... Uh, it's it's Terrell time. We've got our buddy Terrell on the line. Uh, Terrell, what's, what's, what's going on, bud? How y'all guys doing? We're doing good, man. How are you? Oh man, the, the the city, the feeling, everything is just feeling real powerful right now, man. Just dominating some of these long time franchises, and they ain't trying to give us no respect, and they got to give it to us now, for real. But uh, yep. I gotta say though, y'all right on point with that line. Uh, it's it's gelling. We gotta get Spain back. Um, uh, what about say uh the two linemen rookies that we got uh. They growing, they gonna mature. We got good depth. Uh, I love. Uh, I like. I like Trey Hill, man. Um, mm. I know he 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 our scapegoat sometimes. He get a little penalty very very blow out, but uh, I, I like what I'm getting from him. Um, the secondary man is just lit, man. Mm. Eli Apple turned into a uh, a lead corner, man. I ain't saying well. I can't say that. Well, he he he. He just turned into a real stable corner, man. Stable's a good word. And, um, yeah. And I really and I really think that the plan is we gonna we gonna go ahead and just cut bait with uh Trey Wins hmm. and, and and put that money right on top of Jesse Bates. Well, it's... and I um and I just wanna uh leave y'all before y'all go. How about uh you get a new coach, man? USC, <laughs> um, UC, UC, man. We doing our thing. We about to make history. Uh, I was gonna tell John, man. Uh, we got at least seven to eight defensive players getting drafted, man. And I think I think uh, Desmond Ritter is second round pick. Uh, Jerome Ford, maybe first second round pick. I'm not playing, but uh, I did want to get your. Uh, you don't have to be right now. I did want to get your tell on uh, that receiver from USC, that London Drake. I don't no, know Drake how he's going, or maybe he might slip down. Maybe we might grab him in third, but I don't think he's going to go that far down. Probably not but that. Yeah, man. Just, I just want to say, man, just glad to I always hear from y'all. Glad to talk to y'all. We we about to do it. It, it might. We, we thought it wasn't going to be this year, but maybe. But we about to do it, y'all. We, we for more years to come. Fun year. God bless y'all. All right. You're the man, Terrell. Good to hear from you as always. But uh, we'll, we'll talk about some of those 
some of those items off there. Take take care, and uh, hopefully the Bengals get a win for you this weekend. And uh, we'll yeah, talk I'm, to you I'm gonna go to the game too, though. I might do a little security or something. So oh, I'm nice, game, so. nice, awesome. Well, have have fun. Uh, if you are working, make make a little money, I guess, too. But have some fun. Hopefully, they win for you. Take care, bud. Oh yeah, take care. Bye. All right. Uh, so, look. Um, as far as as far as some of the stuff with you know the draft and and uh, college teams, it's been a fun year for Cincinnati football. And you know, I've always kind of had I, I don't have a personal connection to UC um, just because you know I didn't go there. I'm, I wasn't born and raised in Cincinnati, but uh, this last year when I went to the Bengals game, I went to the UC game on Saturday. Before that, hell of a fun time, just awesome, awesome atmosphere. And, you know, I catch myself kind of going, yeah, all right. Cause I, you know, I hear about a lot of these guys and now I catch myself watching a little more UC football, especially since they've been kind of rising to prominence over the past few years. So yeah, I mean, uh, I, I know sauce and uh, you know, a lot of others are, are, are on the Bengals radar The the wide receiver he mentioned for USC is a stud, but he broke his ankle Drake London, big, uh, big dude, six, five, and just runs really well. Uh, kind of, kind of in that Michael Pittman mode a, a bit, and uh, unfortunately, that ankle injury. He probably would have been a top half of the first round type of player this next year's draft. He still even missing a handful of games. He's going to be in the race for the Bolitnikov Award. So, um, you know, a, a guy who's really talented. Just unfortunately, that injury is going to cost him there. I don't think the Bengals have a need at wide receiver. I highly doubt they will. They will go after a guy like that just based on going after Chase John. But uh, London is a guy to. To keep an eye on, for sure. In Terrell's spiels, I let, he just he doesn't doesn't. It's it's hard for him to stop. Sometimes he just kind of keeps going, and, and that and that time he's excited, he man. He's excited. No, like no, it's it, it's great because then you'll get sound bites of calling Eli Apple elite, but you cannot spell elite without Eli. Yeah, <laughs> there you go, there you go. I like it, but he he did he did backpedal on that one a little bit. He said, "Okay, maybe, maybe stable." And I said, I, "I think stable's a bit a bit better." He caught himself. I didn't want him to catch himself. I wanted him <laughs> to keep escalating. You know? Yeah, yeah. But um, fun year for Cincinnati football for sure. And uh, you know, it, it, the good news for the Bearcats is that they're they are keeping their head coach in place. They lost their their coordinator there to Notre Dame, but um, at least. That defensive coordinator is not adopting a fake accent like another former Bearcat coach that went somewhere else and uh, I don't know. Howdy, y'all. Welcome <laughs> to Bayou. Can you imagine if I got on the show and did that? We did a live show in Louisiana. We tried to adopt freaking Louisiana accents. Get out of here, Frank Kelly. Get real. Man, man that guy. Good Lord. Uh, all right. Well, where are we going? Where are we going next? So we got to talk about this game. We have a couple of questions about the upcoming game, specifically pertaining to the news of, I believe, both Riley Reef mm-hmm. and Trey Hopkins being game time decisions. I don't think, I don't think that they practiced on Friday. I could be wrong. I didn't double check that, but there's talks about them potentially missing this game, combined with the fact that I think I think someone asked about the expectations of Joe Mixon kind of carrying the offense on Sunday with the potential absences of both the right tackle and center. What what do you think about potentially them missing that game? Does that impact what they try to do in this game? Specifically, also with the fact that it's 
potentially going to be bad weather and they might may just have to be forced to run the ball a lot because they aren't going to get a, a lot of opportunities to pass it without two of their best offensive linemen or just two of the most experienced offensive, offensive linemen. What, what, what are we thinking here? Well, I think a lot of us going into this game, we, oh, Joe Mixon's going to run all over this team. The Chargers have the last rank uh, run defense. Joe Mixon's run for close to 300 yards the past two weeks and four touchdowns. It should be just a Joe Mixon fest, especially with the weather. Um, you know, I think I think I said on Wednesday, at, at least a couple as of a couple of days ago, it looked like it was about 70 to 80 percent chance of rain by the time kickoff was was hitting. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, so it just seems that that would be something that plays right into the Bengals wheelhouse. And then here you go. You know, two of your starting offensive linemen are now slated to potentially miss this game. I think they're now um, potentially game time decisions type of thing. So. I don't know, man. I, I I feel like this is something that uh, is is a bit concerning and maybe tips the scales, uh, balance ba- them back a little bit towards the Chargers uh, a little bit there. And when you look at total pass yards given up in the season, the Chargers are the fourth ranked pass defense in that regard. Um, they have given up 16 touchdowns, seven interceptions and a, a you know quarterback rating of 92.7. Um, but I mean, when you when you rank overall passing yards allowed, they have not given up much. And, and like I said, they are a top five team in that regard. So now if the Bengals all of a sudden are, are forced to pass maybe a little bit more because of these these injuries or what have you, all of a sudden there's there's a little bit of an alteration to the game plan that plays a little bit more, it would seem, into the Chargers' hands. So something something to note and I mean, what do you do at, at right tackle then? Is this is this Adenogy? Is this uh, you know, is it Fred Johnson? What what you know, what what kind of musical chair situation do, do you try out Carmen there? I, I don't know. I don't know what you do there to kind of mask all this stuff. Terrell was just talking about how he's been impressed with Trey Hill. I like the pick when the Bengals made it, but every time he's been in, he's been a penalty machine. So I I, I can't say that i I echo the sentiments at least from what we've seen in limited snaps at the pro level man he's already got that thing for me like <laughs> he was in the game for like two plays on l- last sunday and there was a flag on the field like this is going to be 63 I-, I didn't even see him block on that play i just know it's going to be 63 god love trey hill man but he's gotta stop holding uh roy york in facebook um was saying that a prince isaiah prince versus joey bosa matchup is interesting since they practiced against each other at osu that's an interesting thing to note um i guess yeah, I think Bosa was more of a right end at, at OSU because Isaiah Prince was the left tackle there. Now they're on the opposite side in their respective um, NFL careers. But that is interesting. If Riley Reef does not play, Fred Johnson has been inactive when both tackles have been healthy. Both starting tackles have been healthy. But I think Isaiah Prince is more of the backup left tackle if he has to play tackle. But the fact that they can only activate one per week, I think Prince has just earned that uh, designation as, as the swing tackle. So if they don't have... They're starting right tackle. I think that would lead to Fred Johnson taking that spot. And I'm sure he's been practicing a lot this week because Riley Reef has not played. But also, there's the other angle of this. I believe Zach Taylor, when he says that both Trey Hopkins and Riley Reef could have played through their injuries on Sunday if they needed to. The fact that they didn't practice this week is obviously not great news. But I think this has been about why the Bengals have been so healthy and good at managing injuries they're not forcing these guys to practice and work through some of these injuries when they don't have to so I, I truly believe that they will be game time decisions despite not practicing 
it's just a matter of how effective are they going to be um, after not practicing or playing since last Sunday. Yeah, so here's kind of a tricky follow-up question I would have. Who would be more important to keep if the Bengals were, were to only keep one, who would be more important to keep? I think from a an overall talent standpoint and from what the PFF score show and everything, you, you immediately go reef, right? But I mean, your center is the guy that handles the ball every single play. Your center is the guy that calls out a lot of the protections and and some of the things that are the defense is showing there. So that's that's kind of a sneaky, important position, too, even though Hopkins hasn't been playing up to the level that we saw last year. So I, I don't know. I mean, if the Bengals were to – these guys are both game-time decisions, and let's just say only one of them could play, who's more important? It's kind of a coin flip for me, really. I mean, I know Reef's kind of more the obvious answer, but I don't know, man. Yeah, it's like Trey Hopkins has not been great, but he's been playing better recently, and I think it's important to have that guy who knows what he's doing at center. I'm stupid. I didn't actually do any research before this. Zach Taylor said that Isaiah Prince would start at right tackle, not Fred Johnson. Sorry, I know. I forgot that I'm naming all these other guys <laughs> and not that guy who's been Dennis <laughs> Rowland 2.0 and tackle eligible. But yeah, that's probably where they would go. Yeah. Um, and I, I, it would also be interesting, too, to see if let's say Reef doesn't play, Prince gets the the nod at right tackle. Do they still institute that jumbo package with one of the other guys we mentioned? Maybe a a Jackson Carmen, maybe a Fred Johnson. I don't know. I don't know if they continue to do that because that's been a staple of the offense the past two weeks for sure. Yeah, I think I had Jackson Carmen in for a jumbo package against the Steelers when Isaiah Prince was already at right tackle. So there's precedent with. Uh, him replacing Isaiah Prince in that regard and Fred Johnson will will probably be active if Riley Reef cannot go so there's a potential chance that he's in there too we're gonna get to a few more we'll be here a little longer but since we've been talking about some uh various things and of course we just had a little bit of uh Terrell time Terrell time is brought to you by symbol s-i-m-b-u-l-l.com slash OBI is the website and we are sharing that with you here. Symbol of course is the stock market for sports symbol.com slash OBI. You can go in there and make yourself some money by investing in teams, whether it's the Cincinnati Bengals, whether it's a number of other teams across other sports that they have available, you can make yourself some quick money. If you want to do a little quick in and out there, or you can invest long-term and make yourself some money. They have a special promotion for our listeners because they have a special website with that slash OBI. John, what's that promotion, my friend? Yeah, so if you go to symbol.com backslash OBI and use the promo code OBI, you have the chance and the opportunity to deposit up to $500 to use however you want on the symbol market. You can invest in NFL teams, NBA teams, MLB teams, Power 5 college football teams starting this year, NHL teams. The NHL season is now a month and away. If you want to invest in the Blue Jackets, you want to, if you want to buy low into the inactive free agency Cincinnati Reds, or if you want to buy high on the skyrocketing Cincinnati Bengals right now, you can do all those things on the symbol market. It really is the stock market for sports. And if you deposit up to $500, however you want into the market, symbol gives you a 90-day money back guarantee that means if you want to take out that initial deposit if you're not having fun in the symbol market if it's just not for you or let's be honest if you're losing money quicker than you would have expected you can take out up to 500 of that initial deposit in the first 90 days no questions asked money back guarantee 
completely 100% risk-free. No excuse to not try out Symbol, the stock market for sports. Get in on some of this money because Symbol is making it really easy for OBI listeners. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Where are we going next, John? Let's see here. We had, oh, let's go to, oh my God. Hello, Keanu. John Wick, uh, thank you for the donation of $10. We had a question about uh, <laughs> uh, what are the chances that Puka gets a chance to return punts Ooh, this weekend? Heard he was getting reps there in practice this week. I guess this depends on Darius Phillips's uh, health at the moment. He was practicing the last couple days. I think he was like the only positive change on the injury report, at least yesterday, and probably will be the only one today unless some other guys do practice. So I think as long as Darius Phillips is healthy, he still has that role. But if he has a setback over the weekend or if they deem him just not ready to go, he might be that practice squad elevation. I, I think because they're on, unfortunately dealing with a lot of injuries, I think they have to be careful about who they actually want to elevate off the practice squad. And, you know, they don't have the luxury of just having a bunch of healthy scratches maybe this weekend. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Yeah. Look, I mean, I, I said it on a post on Cincy Jungle that I didn't, based on the feel good win and the team vibe of the win, you know, so many contributors to this huge, really, really one of the, quite honestly, one of the bigger wins in, I think in recent Bengals history, for sure. Um, you know, I, I think that this, the, the lone, I didn't put him as a loser, but the lone person I would have put as a loser was Darius Phillips, the inexplicable situation on the kickoff return late, um, really struggled on defense, gave up a, you know, had an interception go right through his hands and then gave up the the lone touchdown that the Steelers had late. Uh, did have one punt return for 17 yards, which was which was pretty nice, but there was some excellent blocking in that in that punt return as well. So look, the injury situation, I, I think Puka Williams is a really intriguing option here. They also had, I think, Tyler Boyd back there uh returning kicks. He's always he's always been back there as one of the you know, third or fourth guy at, in, in training camp or whatever doing that. But uh, so I don't, I don't know, just based on the importance of Tyler Boyd to the offense, I don't know that they would have him return punts, but then again, you go, okay, well, he's not getting the targets on offense. So, uh, you know, do you want to get the ball in his hands? I think Puka Williams is a very intriguing option. I don't know. I, when I saw Darius Phillips on the kickoff return, go in and out of, the end zone and make that ridiculous decision. Uh, I saw Darren Simmons look pretty upset on the sideline. So yeah. I don't, 
I don't, I don't know how short that leash is. And I don't know if you want to make, you know, a pretty drastic change right away. Someone else had asked if Trent, Trent Irwin was, was maybe someone that they look at. I don't know, but they need some stability there. And unfortunately the loss of Brandon Wilson in the kickoff return game, he didn't really look like himself early this year either, but Man. the loss of him as a kickoff return option has, has really hurt the special teams unit. I, I wouldn't be opposed to it personally. Um, I, I, I try and really be up on Darius Phillips because the athleticism there, the big playability is there, but just you have to ride with so much ups and downs with the guy. It's funny because we had a question from Mark Graves earlier. Has this, has there ever been a more disciplined Bengals team? The lack of penalties, the lack of selfish play, the overall cohesiveness of the team. I'm like, yeah, that's true. The one wild card is Darius Phillips. Every single game now, there's like yeah, one return, yeah. like, what is he doing? <laughs> it's like, you're not, you're, not, you're not expecting him to, to go AWOL, and all of a sudden he does. Now it's just the expectation that he's going to take a pump return from the five, or he's going to forget to <laughs> kneel down in the end zone or whatever. It's just like, he's, he's the he's the wild card of the team. He's the Charlie Kelly of the team. And as, so long as they don't have Charlie any turnovers Kelly. from it, it'll be kind of entertaining at least. Wild card, right? Uh, isn't, that, isn't that from Always Sunny? He, I love that. He cut the brakes. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh, we're going to get to a few more here. We're going to be here a couple more minutes. We've got some good ones coming uh, coming our way here. Let's go back to, for the time being, um, let's go back to the Cincy Jungle comment thread mm. on the post. Um, gosh, there's some good ones here. Let's see. Uh, uh, oh, okay. I, I, this one's loyal to a fault. Left a couple here. Is there anything the Bengals have shown us which would lead us to be confident that they can limit passing success to Eckler out of the backfield and the tight end? The Chargers seem to have even more of what the Jets had as far as the Bengals kryptonite is concerned. Uh, plus, excellent wide receiver is a very good young quarterback. Uh, we talked about this a little bit on Wednesday. We didn't really provide a solution. So if if you've got one, please, please bring it up and, and pass it along to the Bengals, John. Uh, th this has kind of been a staple of the Chargers for a really long time. Awesome tight end play. Really, really dynamic running backs out of the backfield. You mentioned LaDainian Tomlinson a couple of nights ago. He was a guy that obviously was excellent as a runner, but was a facet you don't talk about a lot with LT. Was He was Marshall Falk-esque in, mm -hmm. the, in the passing game. Uh, and, and so uh, there was him, obviously Gates and Ladarius Green and others that were very athletic tight ends in the past with Rivers. And now they're kind of keeping that mold up with Eckler and company. I don't know. Are there are there some good because no Davis Gaither. He was kind of the athletic guy that they would use a lot in some of these situations. Is this Ricardo Allen time? Is this uh, Jermaine Pratt, who's been playing a little bit better of late? Is, is he the guy to rely upon here? What what do you think? In that vein, it's been interesting. Uh, when they go kind of like like big nickel, um, ever since the Davis Gaither injury, they've only had like Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson, the linebacker. They've used Trey Flowers a lot in the box, or at least closer to the line, as almost like an overhang defender, which I feel like is the replacement for Akeem Davis Gaither. So it's interesting to see if like he matches up with him out of the backfield. But honestly, I, I love Logan Wilson. Like you know, there's been improvements this year for for him. But are you really this core piece? Are you really this this solid all-around linebacker? Go ahead and match up with Austin Eckler out of the backfield. I think it bodes well for the Bengals that they've done a great job of collapsing down on some of these short routes to the flat. Uh, I think a lot of, of the Steelers game was like Najee Harris or some of these 
crossing routes for the receivers, and they've done a good job of collapsing down. It's just been the problem of actually corralling on the first attempt, and it's just been basically like a like a, a team effort of collapsing down, and at least one of those guys will, will end up bringing them down short of the sticks. With Eckler, it's a lot of these angle routes that start from the outside and cut back to the inside, and they like to space the receivers to create space over the middle to isolate Eckler against one of those linebackers. So I think either Trey Flowers coming into the box often this game to match up with him or just Logan Wilson staying disciplined, some of those intermediate and, and um, hook curl zones over the middle. So I think those two guys are going to be relied upon a lot in, the, in this game. And honestly, I, I don't have a tremendous amount of confidence, but I also don't think that they're going to get shredded necessarily either. Uh, yeah, I I think kind of what we talked about the the other night was maybe a, a little bit more of a game plan to keep things in front of them and and not allow these guys to run free the caveat is i mean mike williams kind of in the vein of of a you know a t higgins or what have you a guy that that is big and can somehow surprisingly stretch the field a bit but is really good at those 50-50 balls keenan allen is a really good route runner kind of the same deal not necessarily a speed guy but can do the occasional deep ball to, to beat you. So, I mean, there, there are a number of different things that the Bengals have to, to be aware of on defense. You know, if you play, if you play deep to kind of negate that, then that opens up the short and middle areas of the field for a guy like Eckler to potentially run free. So yeah, big game for Logan Wilson here, big game for guys like Ricardo Allen, Trey flowers, like you mentioned, uh, you know, those guys need to step up and, and here's the other thing with it. The tackling that has been improved over the past couple of weeks, not really up to the level that we saw early, early in the season, but definitely better than it was in the in the two game losing streak. That is paramount this week in terms of these short plays. If Eckler's there and he's in front of the sticks with a with a reception, you got to bring him down and get off the field. That's I mean, that's just crucial. You can't miss tackles, whoever it may be, because that's that's not only going to be irritating to watch but it's going to extend drives and inevitably give the charters points yeah it's going to be tough um eckler just i'm always impressed watching him play because he's the quintessential you know started from nothing as far as an nfl career came out of a really small school like somewhere in colorado ended up being like a backup to like melvin gordon with the charters and you know he didn't necessarily win off of athleticism alone he just kind of just dug in and did the dirty work for a handful of years and then has emerged as a guy who just knows where to be at all times. And very rarely does he drop the ball. I think he had a drop last week that ended up being an interception. So it's a very rare thing to see him go down at first contact and not haul in one of those catches. So it's just another test for that defense. Uh, where do you want to go next? Uh, so we, we had another donation from Rowdy every lap. Thank you for the donation. He's asking about will T Higgins be a factor like he was last Sunday. And honestly, I was looking at T Higgins's production before and after the Jamar chase uh, Ravens game. And I know that Higgins was dealing with an injury early in the season. It's why he missed a, a couple games in September. But even after that, that game, you know, it was still Jamar chase kind of dominating opposing offenses. And then after that Ravens game, obviously the Jets and the Browns did some things to take away Chase. And we saw Mika Fitzpatrick do that as well. And we've seen it hasn't just been uh, the Steelers game where T. Higgins has kind of popped off a, a little bit. He's been pretty fairly consistently productive ever since that Ravens game. And I think even more productive, way more productive than Jamar Chase. So I, I think that's I think this past game basically put him out on the map 
as something that as someone the defenses have to start paying more attention to. And it's almost like it's just the seesaw effect, right? First, it was Chase up here and Higgins down here. And now the, the, the scale is a little bit even now that Higgins has kind of popped off and put himself on the map with 100 so yards and the touchdown. So I don't know how the, how the Chargers kind of manage this. I, I, I know we we're expecting a heavy dosage of Joe Mixon in the run game, but you're dealing with the Chargers secondary that's probably not going to have one, one of its best corners in the Santi Samuel Jr. They have Derwin James, but he's not really much of, of a deep zone defender. He's more of a in-the-box kind of guy. So you have both these guys and Chase and Higgins dealing with positive matchups on on the perimeter, and you don't really have that deep safety for the Chargers to take away some of these deep routes. I, I think either one of those guys can pop off if they try to stretch the field. Honestly, I don't I don't really know what to expect in regards of how they balance that. Additionally, you might have said this, but I mean, it's uh, the other element is: Are the Chargers going to do whatever to sell out to guard the run? Right? I mean, are they going to load the box up? Whether that's with James, a very physical safety, a guy who can do a lot of different things, but like you said, not necessarily the deep zone um, center field type of guy. He can make some plays on passing passing plays, but I mean, he's kind of a, a little bit of a rover type of player, kind of do it all type of guy. Not so much the, the center field type, though. But I mean, do they sell out against the run? Do they stack the box and make sure that Joe Mixon does not beat them, and they they play better against the run because they've been atrocious against it all season? And if so, what does that do? That that opens things up for the wide receivers, right? And potentially it could open up, like we talked about the other day, if the Bengals do find some success in the passing game, it could open things up for a guy like CJ Uzama off play action. So um, I, I do I do expect T. Higgins to really kind of catch fire this, this second half of the season. I think that injury lingered a little longer than he would like to admit, we would like it to admit. And then, you know, there was just a, a lot of forcing of balls to chase Chase being the big play guy early on. And then now, you know, Higgins kind of having a, a bit of a bigger role. I don't know that we can expect the gigantic game that we saw against Pittsburgh, but I think, you know, there's going to be some, some of those, he's going to be a guy that can get a couple of those short intermediate plays. And then also maybe a, a decent long play and get you one of those deeper 50, 50 balls in the Bengals favor. Yeah. I, I like what you said about how, concerned and focused the Chargers will be to stop Joe Mixon because if their defensive line truly does not come come prepared like they haven't been all season then Derwin's going to spend a lot of time close to the line of scrimmage and then you're probably going to be dealing with single high coverages which the Chargers don't typically like to do like they're mainly a too high defense in that Brandon Staley scheme so maybe they they're, they're still married to that and they still want to keep Derwin back there in more of a of a half uh half field shell type deep coverage but you have Michael Davis going up against Jamar Chase and in all likelihood Tavon Campbell going up against T Higgins. I know that we've said that this is Joe Mixon's week, but those are mismatches that you can't ignore if you're Joe Burrow in the offense. Right. And it seems like uh, it's also going to be, I, I think Asante Samuel Jr. is probably going to be out for this game. He's, he's doing the concussion protocol and, you know, I, I don't think he's been practicing this week. I have to double check the Friday report, but um, I don't, I don't think he's been practicing this week from what I've seen. And that's, you know, if he doesn't play, obviously that bodes well for the wide receiver group as well to, to make some plays here. So we'll see where, where do you want to go next and close up? Hmm. Let's see here. I know there was one, and I think, oh, oh yeah, I wanted to go back to the the common thread in Cincy Jungle. Oh, here's a fun one from Jim and Redding. Um, on a previous podcast, AC mentioned that Big Ben blocked him on Twitter. I would love to know what he did to get blocked. I don't know. I actually don't know what I said. I 
probably I, I don't I don't ever try and do personal attacks necessarily. And we know that there is an easy target for Big Ben in that regard. I don't I don't think I ever did that, if I remember correctly. I think I was maybe a little critical of how the Steelers play football sometimes in terms of some of the after the whistle stuff and stuff that they get away with. Um, and I think if you remember, Big Ben for a while was just on a blocking spree with from basically anybody who was a Bengals associate, a fan, writer, any of that stuff. He was just blocking a bunch of people. So I don't remember that. But that was a, a, one question there on uh, the comment thread from Jim and Redding. Did you find what you were looking for, John? Yeah, I was lying. I, had, I actually didn't find anything. I was trying to buy time and look for one. <laughs> you did not. Okay. Uh, here's. Here's an interesting one from Hude Richie also in the comment thread on Cincy Jungle. Uh, you know, asking about Osai comes back. We addressed that. Uh, Xavier Suafilo, though, is that someone who could be a guy that comes back in some capacity? You know, I, I think for me, it would depend upon what happened. You know, if there is a, a God forbid, an injury to Jackson Carmen, Hakeem Adeniji, you know, Quentin Spain, any of those guys. Um, I think that's when maybe he would be rushed back. But is that a guy that could be waiting in the wings and or maybe be a postseason activation should the Bengals, you know, get that you get that veteran guy in there, if you will, to help out in, in a playoff type of push? I don't know. Such a forgotten name. It's honestly kind of been like Trey Wayne's where he's been here for two years and he's barely played. And unfortunately, that's been the case for Xavier, Xavier Suafila for most of his career. Like, he's just not been, he, he can't be counted on to start for an entire season. I think it, his value just lies in being depth, honestly. And if he if he can't even be activated to be a backup, then that's, that's an issue. That's an issue for him staying around here for next year. But uh, this year, I think he had like a knee injury that he suffered early in the season. And I, I, there's just been no word. Or, or aside from the fact that he's been on the rehab field trying to work back. So I don't think he's going to take like a Denergy starting spot at this point, but if he is healthy for the, for the playoff push in case, God forbid they do suffer injuries. I think he would probably be one of the first guys off the bench if he's able to go. Good stuff. One, uh, there, there's really not a different way we would choose to end the show than to have a call from John in Kentucky. So John is joining us to wrap up the show. We're, we're coming in on an hour, and uh, John is joining us. John, what's going on, bud? What's on your mind? Hey. Hey, Greg. Yeah, I've been on vacation all week. What a way, way to wrap up the vacation than to call Where'd me you on the Black Insider. Where'd you go? I didn't go anywhere. I oh. stayed at home. I had a oh. lot of work to get done at the house. And why go anywhere now that the Bengals are winning? I'm only 100 miles away from Cincinnati. There you go. Now. There you go. Absolutely. So, so uh, anyway, I was just going to say real quick, I'm, I deeply apologize. I was not able to listen to the show. And I just went to YouTube and I thought, and I saw, well, oh, my gosh, these guys are live. I need to get a hold of them right now. So I apologize. No, you're good. Anyway, I think. I think we'll beat the Chargers, but you never know about these trap games. But I just like to go back to what I was talking the other night. I said on the Super Chat, you know, Baker Mayfield, to me right now, the team to beat in this division for Cincinnati is the Browns. And I think Baker Mayfield actually had something to do with the change in Cincinnati. You remember Anthony Casenza when Hugh Jackson got fired in Cleveland mm -hmm. and he went back to Cincinnati? Mm -hmm. Remember Baker Mayfield? He yeah. was whooping us, and he ran over to the sideline, and he was very obnoxiously oh, yeah. implying that, hey, 
see how much better the Browns are now that you're gone. You just stay in Cincinnati where you belong. And that was it. I remember the Cincy Jungle website, most of the Cincinnati fans had had it. They wanted changes. And they happened after that year. So I'm not saying I like Baker Mayfield, but he was somewhat instrumental in the changes that have gone on. Anyway, now he's a complete pain in our neck. Mm-hmm. So how are we going to beat the guy? That's what I want to know. Well, it's good. like five, and, five wins and only one loss against us. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you're you're good. Uh, really excellent question here, John. Um Here's here's the thing with this. It always seems when the Bengals play the Browns uh, it, it recently, there seems to be extra motivation in one form or the other. Every single time the Bengals match up with the Browns, just the way the schedule aligns, the way the, the various forms of drama that the Browns have gone through in the form of OBJ, in the form of everybody questioning Baker Mayfield, in the form of, you know, are the, are the Browns contenders or pretenders? You mentioned Hugh Jackson. All of these things, it, it just seems to be the week leading up to the Bengals game, and it just provides this extra motivation for Baker Mayfield to play well. Additionally, John Sheeran, I want to get your, your thoughts on this too before we get John off the phone here, but it just seems as if the Bengals just do not match up well against the Browns personnel wise and what the Browns like to do on offense. They just don't match up well against them. And I think John has a little bit of a point as weird as it sounds that Browns are kind of a middle of the road team with the record, but the Bengals have proven they can beat the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. They've proven they can sweep the Steelers. They've proven that they can hang with and almost beat the green Bay Packers. This is the one team this year that they didn't even come close to competing with. So I think this, this rematch is actually a very big game. John Sheeran, what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah. You talk about timing, like the, this next matchup is going to be at the very end of the season where either both teams are going to be playing for their playoff lives or potentially the Browns are going to play spoil spoilers to the Bengals. So timing is also again, once again, kind of on the Browns side there. I, I, I think it is just a matchup thing. Honestly, it's the Bengals run defense is decent. But when they run into the offensive line that the Browns have, it's a problem. Like they don't get penetration. And then Nick Chubb gets past the first level of blocking. And he's one of the most dominant runners in the open field or just past the line of scrimmage as as there are. And they don't have necessarily dominant linebackers who can who can meet who can meet him there. And they don't have fantastic, you know, sound tacklers beyond that. So that's why Nick Chubb gives them issues. And Baker Mayfield is a decent quarterback when he doesn't get pressured. And rarely do the Bengals ever pressure him because of that offensive line. Now they have a banged up offensive line. They don't have the right tackle for the rest of the season. And Jack Conklin, who I think, um, no, he didn't play in that in that Bengals game. So that, that still wasn't a, a factor. Like the pass rush was an issue against the Browns. And the fact that the Browns defense stepped up, they, that improved secondary, gave the Bengals fits. They turned the ball over multiple times. It was just a multitude of things along with timing. So it was honestly just the worst possible game that the Bengals could have possibly played against that team. And I don't think the matchups are necessarily going away. They just have to play better. Yeah. And hopefully the Bengals kind of uh, harness a little bit of that chip on the shoulder mentality that Baker and the Browns seem to every time they play the, the Bengals. I mean, I'm you, you see here from, I, I can't pronounce this in the live YouTube chat, but basically M W A E S Z K X saying, I didn't, I didn't realize we lost six out of the last seven to the Browns. Yeah. 
Zach Taylor got a late season win in his first year that was kind of critical for him to get that win. But other than that, it's been a lot of beatdowns. It's been a lot of just embarrassments against the Browns. And for how great this season has been, John from Kentucky, you know, you've been a longtime Bengals fan. You know that these losses do not sit well with Mike Brown. No, and you know, the Bengals have a lot of young players, you know, guys in their early 20s here. I just wonder, do they even realize, you know, what that organization did to the founder of the Bengals? It's been a long time ago, mm-hmm. but maybe they need to ask the owner, you know, <laughs> or maybe he needs to tell them, look, uh, my dad was named Paul. Let me tell you how the Browns treated him. Right, <laughs> you know, right, I don't right. like the Browns, you know. Right. So, right. Uh, yeah, look, I'm sick and tired of seeing the Browns beat the team down. I mean, it was 20. Five points. Baker Mayfield was doing whatever he pleased out there. I mm. thought, it's just ridiculous. What's going on? I mean, the Bengals are better than this, and the Browns are not this good. I don't get this. But So that's the game I'm really looking forward to. I know I'm jumping ahead. It's not till the last game of the season. But uh, to me, it's the most exciting one coming up. I think that's the new rivalry. For well, years, it was, you know, Pittsburgh and what a strain it was trying to beat them. Now it's the, it's clearly the Browns. I mean, mm-hmm. Pittsburgh's a joke. We beat Pittsburgh with Ryan Finley. Are you kidding me? Zach Taylor <laughs> knows what he's doing. Yeah. Zach Taylor knows what he's doing against Pittsburgh. But yeah. he does not have any answers so far for the Browns, and that's what I want to see. So, but yeah, guys, thanks for taking my call. It's been a pleasure. Hey, yeah, good to hear from you. And uh, thanks, as always, for your support, not only for our show, but just what we do at Cincy Jungle for the podcast, man. I know you you listen, you tune into Ace and Zim and all kinds of stuff. means yeah. a lot. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. Okay. Glad you had a good staycation okay, there. Take it easy. Okay. Good day. All right. Uh, the interesting thing is that Week 18 matchup, John, could very well be winning your in right uh for 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 either one of those teams and uh, you know i don't know man i i the Bengals just don't have answers for that for that team and and what they do against them it's it's kind of mind-boggling and it's weird because the Bengals have a formula against the ravens and some teams haven't adopted that formula or don't have the personnel to do it other teams have formulas against the browns and <laughs> it's the same thing the Bengals can't seem to emulate it so we'll see if they if, if they find new answers I, w- I did want to address this one final question though um i forget yep. who was asking it but uh he was asking is this Bengals team the least penalized team oh yeah essentially like ever or d- at least in recent history and i did some quick research um nflpenalties.com only goes back to 2009 but this year the Bengals are averaging about 3.9 penalties per game uh against them and over the past 11 years, only three teams have had a lower uh, average than that. It's last year's Patriots, mm-hmm. who were at 3.8. And then, surprisingly, it's the same team for these final two, and it's not the team that you would expect. The Atlanta Falcons of the 2010 and 2012 seasons had uh, average penalties of about um, in the low uh, three average per game. So on this pace, the Bengals are having a top five least penalized uh, season in the last decade or so. So it is on some type of historical rate. I'm trying to find the the question to pin it there. But yeah, good stuff, John. I'm glad you were able to to look that up and find out what that what that is. It's been, you know, it's been a great season overall, but it's been a great season from that regard in terms of the lack of just 
frustrating penalties, drive killing penalties. And I think we talked about it a few weeks ago about how the offensive line, not having these critical holding penalties, not having these critical false start penalties that put you in a second and 15, a second and 12, a first and, you know, first and 20 right off the bat. Right. Um, it just, it, there's just much fewer of those and at less, and when they do occur, they don't occur at the critical, critical times. So, um, that's a big part of it. And then of course, you know, clean, cleaner defensive play, um, knock on wood, there hasn't been the the taunting crap or any of that stuff that that's gone against them this year. So, uh, you know, very clean. And that's, that's something to really quietly applaud Zach Taylor about for sure. Yeah. And people have talked about, you know, this, they want the defense to play with an edge and to play nasty, but like they're making hard hits, but they're making clean hard hits. And that's how it should be. That's how the, that's how football honestly should be. And, you know, they celebrate, but they don't do it in other people's faces. So, like not not to be lame or anything or, or be, be a nerd or whatever but like you know they're celebrating smart it, it sucks that we have to come to this point but like i think they're they're doing a good job of just keeping between these these bs lines that they have to be in the the hit against chase claypool last week from jesse bates where he was bobbling the ball across the middle that was teed up for him to be able you know to to potentially spear or helmet to helmet or do something that would warrant a penalty it was a beautiful, I mean, granted Claypool was running open across the middle there, but other than that, uh, I mean, it was a beautiful hit by, by Bates in terms of where he hit him, the ability to be able to jar that ball loose and, and give a little bit of a physical edge there with that hit. I mean, that just kind of was, was perfect in today's NFL in terms of how you have to play safety and to your point, I mean, they're just not, they're not taking those just terrible penalties that, that and some of the ones that they have taken that have been penalties have kind of been poor calls. I mean, you look back to that Jets call, you look back to some of these other things, and you go like the the offensive pass interference against Jamar Chase last week. I mean, you just go what? Um, so I don't know. Clean play. Yeah, and it got the desired result. It knocked the ball free. It was a hard hit, but it didn't didn't get penalized. See, like you don't have to leave leave with your head anymore. It's just not necessary. Yep. Well, this is we've got this is probably our longest listener questions live, but this has been one of our better ones for sure with the calls, the texts, the live chats, the super chats. Thank you very much, especially to those who submitted super chats. And of course, all across different platforms, we tried to get to questions on every single platform. If we could, there might have been an email that came through that we did not get to. But uh, other than that, I think we got to every single a question on every single platform that we could. John, anything else before we hop out of here, man? Big game Sunday. I ran a poll um, for on, on Twitter, and it was basically like gauging people's confidence about uh, if the Bengals can win three of these last six games. Because if they win three, I think 538, their uh, season simulator has them at about an 80% chance of making the playoffs. And about 59 or so percent of people were in the 50 to 75% confidence range, like probably yes. And the other like 30 something percent was uh, like 76 to hundred percent confident. So basically like well over 90% of Bengals fans seem to be confident that they can be three and three to finish out the season, which doesn't sound like much, but we're talking about the first playoff appearance in six years, the first playoff appearance in the Zach Taylor era, a, a year after we thought that this, this may not, this may not this may not even be Zach Taylor's team anymore. And I know this is a big game and the team can't afford to look ahead, but 
we can because we're not in the locker room. We're not preparing for these things. I think we just have to accept that we're now in a situation where the Bengals are in the playoff hunt and they're likely to make the playoffs even by the most reasonable fan standards. And it starts with this game, but like this is where we are. And uh, I think it's it's like the transition was like official to me this week. Like it's it's not only possible, but it's very likely that that they that, that they get into the playoffs and then potentially do something because this team seems different. Yeah, because one of the teams that they will likely face it should they get into the playoffs is one that they will be facing this this coming these next handful of weeks or one that they have already beaten so far this year. Whether that's the Steelers, the Ravens you know, all, all the Raiders, any of those teams or the teams coming up here. I mean, they, they have a chance to, to face off against them once again. So that's the thing. And here to your point, John, I mean, this has been a year of a lot of big moments and a lot of big games. And the Bengals very few times have shrunk like they'd had many others under Marvin Lewis, Carson Palmer, Andy Dalton, et cetera. This is now you can talk about the Green Bay game and all of that. Yeah, they kind of Blew, blew that one. They had a couple of, of missteps. But, I mean, big moment in Baltimore, they killed them. Big moments against Pittsburgh twice, they killed them. Big game against Las Vegas, they came in and beat them up. So, I mean, largely they have stepped up when the pressure is on. The pressure will be higher these next handful of weeks for sure. But I think right now it's odd to say as young as this team is and as inexperienced as some of these people on the staff and players on the roster are – the confidence level is in terms of them coming through and winning the games they need to win to get into the playoffs. It's uh it's a little bit higher than I think we can say it's been for, for quite a while. And I think it's because you have moments against those good teams, the Steelers and Ravens specifically, you have a plan and a formula that works and ultimately kind of boils down to that quarterback. I know the running game has been playing well and people love to, comment on that in terms of just playing at this time of the year but i think the joe burrow factor is real and i think it's translated for this entire team absolutely well thanks john appreciate you making time to uh carve out and join us today thank you everybody who submitted questions and tuned in live thank you for those who tuned in after the fact again you can get this show on your favorite audio streamer itunes stitcher spotify google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, any of the major ones we are on it as part of the cincy jungle podcast channel so you got to look up cincy jungle as the podcast channel which includes our show the orange and black insider orange is the new black from ace and zim and of course coach speak and chalk talk from matt minnick all available so subscribe leave a review also do us a favor subscribe and uh give us a thumbs up if you could on this uh, on this for the youtube channel we are oh so close to 5,000 subscribers on the youtube channel so uh get us to 5k and maybe we'll do a giveaway of some kind for for some folks uh but be have a little fun with it but at any rate have a good weekend we'll be back for the post game show hopefully talking about a win against the chargers on sunday and we will talk to you soon john have a have a good rest of the weekend bud you as well hopefully that house gets gets taken care of. i know it's so frustrating sorry (laughs) again about the background noise folks take it easy everybody to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder 
But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.